1: Hello, welcome to Leech Fest, a podcast about incestuous noble families oh God, no, and genetic diseases. Like no.
0: We are going
1: to have a raunchy, nasty episode today that's actually more scientific than you think.
0: You know, we might have people who are just tuning in like this episode mm. for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: sorry if that is you. <laughs> It, you should it, it know tends... that this is
1: the dynamic. There's science and there's also the raunchy, dirty nastiness.
0: Yeah, but it's mainly it's mainly science. It's, it's mainly, mainly history. Science. But this episode is gonna be a little freaky. So if you're <laughs> if you're easily disturbed, um, maybe don't listen to it. I don't know. I I okay. Like I'm excited to to record this. I'm excited I think to it's, record. This. I think it's interesting, and I think that it's a topic that. I mean, I guess you know. I guess it, it does get talked about, but it's still it's still a taboo. And so I think it would be. Mm-hmm interesting to discuss
1: basically we're going to talk about genetic disorders and we're going to talk about incestuous marriages mm-hmm. you can imagine what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about two noble families we're going to talk about the romanovs mm-hmm. yes you're going to talk about the romanovs mm-hmm. and i'm going to talk about the probably the most famous of all incestuous marriages in the world mm-hmm. the habsburg family i have a lot namely, prepared here.
0: namely the jaw <laughs>
1: oh i have so, oh there's so much more than the jaw there's so much more than just the jaw the jaw is famous and i'm going to talk about the jaw but there's so much more yeah this family oh, oh i i oh, can oh, tell
0: oh. you're so excited to talk about it you've I'm been
1: bursting in the seams oh my god ever since we said that we were going to do this podcast i've been like i've been so happy because i can talk about this the is your chance nastiest per people in history Mm-hmm. And it's sexual history, like a little bit It's connected to sexual history it's not Yeah, really... so that, and,
0: that's, and that's, that, that was kind of your, your that was my thing, field Yeah, um, yeah the history you of your... sexology and history things like that degree. And
1: genetic, the genetic aspect is like connected to this mm-hmm. So, I like that
0: Before we go into that, how are you? How have you been?
1: I'm good, I've made a new video mm-hmm. I, I'm a YouTuber still <laughs> That career is still supporting me uh, You're
0: not doing full-time podcasting? Just no, yet?
1: not yet, not yet I'm working a bit too much maybe I'm stressing but I'm doing I'm doing fine how are you
0: I'm I'm good I also had a really full week I had a bunch of deadlines that I had to do some work for but now I'm done and I'm really relieved to be done to be honest I feel like we both had a pretty full week Oh for sure um, do you know what I'm not good I I accidentally shaved off half my eyebrows because I was I trying know. to do an eyebrow slit. Oh no and I look stupid and I'm mad about it. <laughs> i'm 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 really mad about it you accidentally
1: shaved off your eyebrows entirely
0: do you know why because you look
1: like a shaved egg
0: yeah i look like an egg i i used a razor stupidly i think you're supposed to use like a blade or like a you know a buzzer that you would use to buzz your hair off but i you know being the smart person that i am i just used like a razor and i just kind of went at it and before i knew it Gone, <laughs> gone. So now I have four to six. So now uh, you uh, weeks.
1: look. Now you look like a member of the Habsburg family.
0: Oh my God! Don't say that.
1: It's a noble and distinguished family. You should be honored to be part of such a Drill- distinguished, distinguished lineage. Li- <laughs> <laughs> distinguished lineage.
0: Um. Anyway. <laughs>
1: And we're actually going to thank some patrons this month, because we've been doing this podcast for a month now, Mm -hmm. and that means that we're actually going to thank individual patrons, Mm -hmm. uh, because we have some of of those after just two episodes. Thank you very much, by the way.
0: For this episode, we want to thank everyone, but in particular, we want to thank old woman Josiah. Thank you for being a, a supportive patron, thank you for making this podcast possible. We are so grateful for you and for every other patron that we have that is honestly making this podcast possible. Yeah. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. So we're going to talk about incest. What is incest? I'm imagining some theoretical Vsauce music here. What is Incest, when you think about it, really.
0: Also, uh, starting the podcast on a strong note, what is incest? What is
1: incest? Well, like, when you think about it. Well, we're going to talk, obviously, about some noble families. How that has uh, resulted itself genetically. But incest means very different things to many different people. Mm-hmm. Over many different periods of history. Mm-hmm. Family marriages were actually pretty common. Today, we view basically, like, if you marry someone within within your family we kind of view that as being somehow like some, somewhat incestuous mm-hmm. but remember like for most of human history people lived in like villages with not a huge population like you're going to be like distantly related to everyone and mm-hmm. when you think about it that's all of humans every single human on earth is distantly related to everyone else we we do eventually come from a very small population of humans in africa but in human history family marriages We're still pretty common. People have always known that marrying close relatives is, like, not maybe the best idea. (laughs) They've known, like, since before the age of the Roman Empire that, like, brother and sister having kids, eventually that's gonna result in birth defects and health problems. So genetic diversity is something that people kind of understood before they even knew what genes were. Like, it's good to, to be a bit varied. Many different religions have uh, bans against marrying blood relatives in varying degrees. Family marriages generally were, uh, are something that were very common in history when genealogy mean, meant a lot of things and status. Depending on how you would marry, that would affect the status of your family. You can rise and fall in terms of status and wealth. And if one person in your family holds a royal title, suddenly genealogy becomes like very important because their heir is going to obviously inherit that royal title. So if you are a bit uh, a bit finangly, you can make sure that you can get more royal titles by marrying correctly. For example, one family might hold the throne of one princedom, another family might hold the throne to another, and the heir of such a union would hold both princedoms, and both mm-hmm. families would become uh, more wealthy. They mm-hmm. would double their land. It's very practical. And that like that's true for all marriages really. Um, especially when you join two different families. But that newfound wealth or status or whatever is obviously split among the families that are marrying. So it's not a lot of return on your marriage investment. But what if you could keep it within the family? Now, obviously, we're going to talk about two European royal families in this episode, primarily. But I also want to cover like some international space.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk I ab- think that's a really good idea. Know, talk about
1: like the status of like incestuous marriages and incest generally over the world and over history. And also, like some regular people, most people, after all, haven't been haven't been noble. I do also want to say that, like cousin marriages, which is like primarily what we're going to talk about here, and actually something that is common when we talk about like incest, incest in the royal families that we're going to talk about later. Um, for a lot of history, cousin marriages haven't really been seen as as incestuous. Mm. Like brother and sister, yes. Parents and child, yeah. That was like bad everyone even,
0: even they were agreeing that like okay maybe oh yeah
1: most people throughout history have been like oh, that's a bit too close it's a bit much like it's not great no. cousin marriages though fine that's fine for some religions however cousin marriages were still seen as family marriages you were still you they knew what cousins were like the, this is a part of the family but not so close to where it becomes a problem regular people would often do Cousin marriages because it helps keep wealth within the family, it helps keep land within the family. Plus, you know, marriages are easy to plan because families already know each other. <laughs> Think of all the family you already share. I want to sort of preface this entire thing by saying that like cousin marriages are still practiced today in like a lot of countries and areas in the world and are seen as perfectly normal and like legal and completely normalized and are like extremely common in some places.
0: Mm. So it's all banter. It's, it's, all, it's,
1: it's a lot of banter, and we should say that, like, genetically, it's mm-hmm. probably not that great, especially mm-hmm. over time. Like, that's just a scientific fact. Like, morally, ethically? That's not really, like, a question that we can answer, really. But we also don't want to, like, put too much of a value judgment here, as, as it is in many areas of the world perfectly normal. In fact, in some areas, cousin marriages are seen as ideal. Like, even better than, like, a stranger marriage. Because like if you if you're marrying a total stranger, it's a bit risky. You don't know them. You don't know what genetics they're bring in, bringing bringing yeah, into Yeah. You your, don't
0: know their family history. If you're
1: staying in the family, you know, it's maybe safer. they've
0: got an you know some weird uncle that gambles. You don't want that in the family. You don't
1: want that in the family. <laughs> and commoners from like throughout world history and every single geographic location in the world at some point or another have practiced cousin marriages. Mm-hmm. And, it's been, and again, it's been perfectly, perfectly legal, perfectly okay. However, there are some interesting phenomena throughout history and in some cultures that like stand out in terms of familial marriages, and I want to talk about them as well. So let's talk about China, like a little bit. Mm-hmm. China.
0: Oh my God, I was waiting. For... I was. I, to I do was it. waiting for that. <laughs> I was. I was like, I, I, I knew you were gonna go into that, and I was like, oh, yeah. well, Is she gonna? Is she gonna say so, it? Of real? course, I'm
1: going to. <laughs> China in ancient Chinese history, in some areas, because China is obviously huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in some areas of China there were cases where certain clans would only marry members of another clan. So like clan A only marries people from clan B and vice versa. And this means that it is okay in these cultures to marry your cousin on the other side. Because obviously if you keep marrying the other family they're gonna become... you're gonna have cousins on that side of the family. Marrying those cousins are okay. But marrying cousins on your own side Mm -hmm. is not okay. Mm -hmm. This means that so-called parallel cousins, like on your own side of the family, they're off. Uh, usually counted by the paternal line, because that's, that's how world history is mm-hmm. in most cultures. While cross cousins, as in on the other side of the family, uh, they're free game.
0: You know, I've never heard of that. Why did they do that in China?
1: Uh, they saw it as like a good way to do an alliance. Oh, like if, okay. if, if one clan, which is just basically one huge family mm-hmm. in various respects, they basically had, like, an alliance with one other family. Mm-hmm. And it's a good way to control vast areas of land. Like, you you, you can't... It's hard to kind of join clans, mm. because then, like, it's too big, and, like, yeah, fa- families you, you are gonna created, split eventually. He
0: you created ties with people yeah. from other clans. Gotcha.
1: And effectively, it became, like, one big, one big family. It mm. was a way to join clans without actually doing so, because mm. then that would create problems with, like, uh, inheritance and other forms of, like, administration. It's too complicated. But... By doing this, they could effectively have twice the power, twice the land, twice the money. Very practical. In ancient Persia, nobles from the Zoroastrian religion, which was the dominant religion before uh, before Islam came into the region, they saw marriages between brother and sister as the best type of marriage. Oh my god. It's it's divine. Mm-hmm. Literally divine. They saw it as a religious, like a good thing. This was called, and I'm going to butcher its name, and I'm very sorry for modern Zoroastrians, Although this practice isn't practiced today by modern Zoroastrians, but unfortunately I can't pronounce this. It was something called Shwedoda. Shwedoda. And there is dubious evidence that says this was actually common among commoners. It was almost exclusively practiced by the clergy and by noblemen. And Zoroastrians today don't do this as well. Some people think Zoroastrian is a dead religion. It's not. Freddie Mercury was actually raised Zoroastrian. Did you know?
0: I had no idea. Hmm, yeah, that's true. So, what was the belief behind us?
1: Well, the idea was that those who marry their next of kin are particularly pure and free f- from corruption by Ariman, which is a, a sort of deified evil corrupting force in Zoroastrianism. Mm-hmm. Like like how Christianity sees like the devil as some sort of like evil corrupting force. They see Ariman as an evil corrupting force. That You can't do a parallel, obviously, because it's a completely different religion. It's not even Abrahamic. The idea was that those who stay within the religion, as in marrying within the family, as close as possible, yeah, but you could the less just corrupted married, they are.
0: But you could have just married somebody else who was practicing Zoroastrianism. So why did you have it to marry... It
1: doesn't count. It has to be within the family. The closer the familial ties, the better. Interesting. Although they, it, it should be noted that Skridoda was also something there was a name that could also encompass cousin marriages and like any type of familial marriage Mm -hmm. but the closer the type of marriage the better Mm. uh it should also be noted that that other things that were seen as particularly pure and free from corruption were things like goat urine (laughs) uh sheep's milk there's an ancient religion here They, they do cool things so this kind of marriage was seen as like a religiously good thing to do like this is a good thing for the gods it is pure free from corruption it also plays into the creation myth of the Zoroastrian religions, uh, because some sources claim that all humans are originally born from a Svedota marriage. An equivalence I guess, again, you can't really do a comparison to a Christian religion because they're so completely different religions, but if Adam and Eve were brother and sister and all of humanity spreads from that, that's basically the idea. Hugely oversimplified, obviously. <laughs> Um, if you want to learn more about Zoroastrianism, please do. Again, it's a fascinating religion. This marriage was eventually eliminated during the Muslim conquest of Persia. They saw marriages like this as completely forbidden, haram, not great at all. But some Muslim philosophers had the idea that, like, Zoroaster, the founder of sorts to Zoroastrianism, basically declared these marriages as halal. And that's why, like, th- this wasn't some sort of corruption by by evil forces this was just like oh this is the guy who said that like yeah it's probably okay and that makes sense that's why these people do this and he had a more progressive view because he said like yeah this is just the culture that they do whereas most kings and caliphs in the area would brutally repress the zoroastrians unfortunately but when talking about the ancestral noble marriages, it might actually not be an understatement to say that no one can do it like European noble families. Mm. European noble families may have been the most incestuous people in the history of Earth. For once, our our Eurocentricism is actually valid. <laughs> because Europeans just did it way more. As any story about European history, we need to start in Rome. The Roman Empire... Banned uh, marriages between first cousins as did the early Roman Catholic Church But if you were rich you could pay to have an exemption Even even then if you had enough money, you could just be like hey Pope. I want to marry my cousin Is that okay?
0: Granted. Granted. God (laughs)
1: God loves you. (laughs) Thanks for the gold. This is because in the Bible You cannot marry any blood relative in the 1200s the church decided that okay It's too easy to marry your family This is unacceptable We can't do this anymore, we need to crack down on this. So they changed the way that they calculated how you were related to other people, and they also changed that you couldn't marry anyone who were even as close as your sixth cousin, which, by the way, is the great-great-great-great-grandchildren of your great-great-great-great-grandparents' sibling, which is very, very far removed. This caused chaos, because suddenly no one who was Christian could marry basically anyone mm. if you live in an isolated village you had a hard time finding anyone that you could marry
0: can do shit in this village
1: Every, everyone's like my fifth cousin the thing is like sixth cousin is like that's a lot
0: of yeah a lot it of doesn't people sound are like cousin. it doesn't sound like a lot when you say it but then you start counting generations yeah and that's that's a lot and yeah like if you if you live in a really small village that's basically
1: basically everyone. That's basically
0: everyone mm. yeah so why were they so strict about it
1: that's what the Bible said. Mm. There may also have been some people who were like very paranoid about birth defects, mm. um, but like even six cousins—that's like you're you're They're not taking,
0: yeah, they're not taking any chances for <laughs> sure.
1: And then, again, this co- this caused complete chaos because people didn't know who could be their sixth cousin. Like that could be anyone. Thousands of marriages could be nullified if people found out that you were married to someone uh, as close as your third cousin. So they had to change this. By Mm -hmm. 1215, so now you could marry your fourth cousin without dispensation. Which is still, like, pretty far. Again, you can still ask or pay for dispensation, even up to including your very first cousin. This has basically been the case up until extremely recently. The Roman Catholic Church didn't change this until 1985. And now in Roman Catholicism, it is okay to marry someone who isn't your first cousin, but your second is okay. In civil law, though, outside of, like, European religion and stuff like that, it has varied extremely much on region. Sometimes cousin marriages have been outright banned, sometimes it's been fine. But today, cousin marriages are legal all over Europe, South and Central America, Africa, the Middle East, it might be banned in, uh, in China, and it's only really banned sometimes in India, depending on your religion, and in a lot of American states.
0: Okay, so now we've talked a bit about the history of family marriages. And I mean, I guess the conclusion that we can draw from that is that it was pretty common in history. Like, especially when it comes to nobles and, and richer families. Like people did it. And now I wanted to talk a bit about the scientific part of it. What could it, what actually happens when you when you mess with your cousins? Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, so as you as you said before, um, inbreeding is is just typically described as a union between couples that are known to share at least one common ancestor, and usually the consequences of inbreeding include developmental delay, physical anomalies, and intellectual handicap. There's also a, a term for the decreased biological fitness of the population which usually results from its inability to survive and reproduce that is caused by inbreeding and it's inbreeding depression Um, Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called So, the root of the problem is the expression of recessive genes. There's almost like like a popular belief that, you know if you have a child with somebody in your family, like that child might be born with a defect and that's Um, You know, because of a mutation or because of...
1: Like the act of inbreeding will cause something bad to happen. Yeah, exactly.
0: But really what's happening here is the expression of recessive genes. So a lot of us carry a handful of genes that have the potential to cause serious illnesses. So these might include like cystic fibrosis, sickle cell uh, anemia... Tay-Sachs disease, albinism, there's there's lots of them. Albinism? Yeah. However, these genes mostly stay inactive because they're the recessive form of the gene. And most of us just carry one copy of the recessive form of the gene. So do you remember doing Punnett squares in school? Uh,
1: kind of. <laughs> the one that we got, like, you, you have, like, uh, a grid... Yeah, and it's the grid. You have one that's like XX, XY. Yeah, yeah. So you exactly. can see like the.
0: Yeah, so I remember doing them for um, flower co- color. So you had like red flowers and white flowers. Oh, yeah. And then there was another Bl- one eye color. Eye color. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, that. with the blue eyes. And then you may have done eye color and flies. And that was like the, the, um, the sex linked recessive genes. Do you do do you remember no, that? I, well, anyway, not done that anyway, device. if you've done if you've done Punnett squares, like this is basically what it is. So most of us carry recessive genes, right? But we don't show the disease because we also carry the the other copy of the gene, mm. which carries the uh, functional gene. Mm. However,
1: the deadly disease of, of blue eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> however, when when a couple with a common ancestor forms. Um, there is a much higher chance that the offspring of that couple will share the disease, right? So if mm. there is a if there is a, a disease that runs in the family, like Tay Sachs or sickle cell anemia, the kid is a lot more likely to get both recessive mm. copies of the disease if both parents are carriers.
1: And that's possible. That's like all, always possible. Yeah. Even even, even between strangers, yeah, right? Yeah. that like two strangers For can sure. have the recessive thing too. It's just but when a much it, higher chance. Because yeah. of... like two people from the same family most likely have like a similar genetic makeup yeah, exactly. so they mm. may have the similar exactly recessive genes. yeah so
0: it's just that the risk of the kid inheriting recessive conditions just increases substantially yeah and that's you know that's typically what happens uh, when somebody is born as it is colloquially colloquially known in bread mm. So, Mia, the whole reason I actually wanted to do this episode was because I was reading this book called The Witches of St. Peter- Petersburg, and then I was watching The Last Caesars on Netflix. I, I don't know about you, but I get this phase once a year where all I want to do is I want to read Russian literature and watch movie set in russia and i want to hear about the romanovs and i want to do all that stuff like mm. it's it's just a phase that happens every year i okay. just
1: we all have imperial russia fever every mm-hmm. year just sometime
0: listen to like march marching music
1: mm-hmm. some um, uh, weird like waltzes
0: yeah the waltzes were so nice
1: say what you all about the russian imperial family they were tyrannical like madmen but at mm. the same time
0: they had a sense of style. Yeah, that was actually one of the things that we, I think, we both agreed that the the last czars on Netflix didn't do so well. Like they really portrayed the Romanovs as a lot nicer and kinder yeah. than the, they really so, were.
1: So there's a show on Netflix called The Last Tsars mm-hmm. that portray the last czar family like mm-hmm. right before the Russian Revolution, which, if you didn't know, led to the creation of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And spoiler the, alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! Soviet <laughs> Union happens in the end. Yeah, and the documentary. Has a kind of sympathetic eye mm-hmm. to to the family, mm. like oh, they were they were victims of, of genetic diseases and political intrigue and mm. making mis- just an honest mistake that the guards shot into civilians and completely ignores the fact that they yeah. were tyrannical, anti-Semitic antisemitic.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like tyrants. the way they did die tragically, you know, I think it's not a it's not a good way to die. Oh, God. Um, Especially know, for seeing your family. You know, yeah, the, exactly. Because the they also they showed the parents first and the kids had to see that, you know, like yeah. it was it was pretty awful. But the, the show definitely does uh, make them make them seem a lot gentler and like sweeter. Misunderstood. Yeah. In a sense. Speaking about the Romanovs, hemophilia obviously played a big role in the fall of the mm. dynasty i mean how so <laughs> um for
1: people who may not know why
0: yeah well i'm gonna get to that but well f- one thing that i want to say is that you know i'm not saying that this is the only factor and i think that you as a historian can will agree with me that like hemophilia probably contributed but it wasn't the main reason mm. like, like like the, the fall romanovs of the Romano yeah, dynasty. yeah exactly yeah. like it was it was a long time coming right
1: Oh, like the fall of the yeah. the empire and the dynasty. 90- oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the the political, like situation in Imperial Russia
0: mm-hmm.
1: by the early 1900s was so chaotic and hostile. Yeah, and Nicholas no matter- Nicholas
0: was not a good tsar. Tar- uh, no, God no. So like the um, the whole
1: thing with. Like Rasputin, which I think you're going to mention. Yeah. And I, I, hemophilia. Of course I'm going
0: to talk about Rasputin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hemoph- are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> and, and, and the hemophilia of, of the air and yeah. the, the dramaturge. That probably contributed. Mm. Because if, if the leaders of a nation are dealing with some stuff, that's probably going to affect the political direction of the country. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Vladimir Lenin... He didn't care about the hemophilia or wasputin. he He had other plans, and those plans were going to happen eventually, yeah. no matter what. Yeah,
0: exactly. So hemophilia, what is it? Well, it's a mostly inherited genetic disorder that, as you might know, it impairs the body's ability to produce certain clotting factors that help with clotting, with blood mm. clotting. So when somebody lacks these clotting factors, there's a high risk of spontaneous and excessive bleeding, and there's also an increased risk of bleeding inside the joints and the brain. Oh which, God! Which is a really bad thing. Oh
1: God! Because I knew hemophilia, I was like, Oh, you yeah, you, you, you bleed. Just, you just bleed if you cut yourself. You then you bleed, and you might bleed spontaneously. I had no idea it would bleed in the joints and the brain. Yeah. So, what?
0: So the brain, the brain is really bad because you you know you can get brain damage, you can get just you can just die yeah, from yeah. it.
1: My gut feeling says that you don't want to bleed in the brain. In the no. Brain. I mean, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> like, I'm a historian, but I feel like brain bleeding is like generally a bad thing.
0: As a scientist, I agree with you. Mm. Um, I'm glad we can have scientific
1: consensus on this point.
0: It's also chronically painful. And this is caused by the joint bleeds, because the repeated bleeding into the joint actually breaks down the joint lining and causes damage, which eventually causes a very painful arthritic condition known as hemophilic arthropathy. So not only are you in chronic pain, you also often become disabled. Mm. You become unable to walk. Yeah. So it's it's really an awful condition. And it's, you know, it's not just characterized by like, oh, little bruise here and there. Mm. Painful and yeah, and it's, it's like, painful a lot of, and debilitating. A
1: lot of people who have it don't live that long, right? Especially in those days. Now I'm I'm guessing there are yeah, there's there are
0: treatments it. for it these but, days.
1: But in those days, like a hundred years ago, there like if even the the imperial family of Russia had a hard time getting to yeah, fix it then so, I'm guessing there wasn't really a way to to deal with it.
0: I think I remember stumbling upon some um, uh, like some diary excerpts from Alexei. Um, Alexei was the son of the emperor oh the guy Um, with hemophilia yeah exactly the the boy with hemophilia and even he in the diary was writing that like he knows he's not gonna live very long so it's yeah it's a pretty awful condition so I wanted to to talk just a tiny bit about the genetics of hemophilia and before I start is I want to say one thing is that this conversation concerns genetics and I'm gonna be as inclusive as I can but, you know, when you read about this, a lot of people refer to XY people as men and XX people as women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to not do that.
1: Science is transphobic as hell, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I'm a trans woman. Dear view, if you don't know, I'm a trans woman. Trans woman. So this science is, is bad? Yeah. I'm gonna like, throw it out. It's bad. I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but it kind of sucked. Th- it w- kind of sucked a little bit to to read mm. these um, these texts and just see like woman, man, man, woman. Well, I
1: mean, they're they're oversimplifying a little bit. I'm guessing, yeah. like for for uh, for the sake of genetics, purely, they're using shorthand.
0: I just wish there was an life. elegant way to to um, to refer to it And that wasn't like exclusive. Yeah. But you know what? I'm just going to I'm just gonna say cis men and cis, cis women, if that's okay. I remember
1: like AFAB or AMAB, AMAB
0: people? I don't think... Because that's not... Not everybody likes that, right?
1: Yeah, but I'm just thinking like...
0: I think cis men and cis women is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say people who are assigned female at birth carry 2x. People assigned male at birth carry 1x, 1y. And then I'm going to say cis, cis men, cis women. Okay. But I think that if we have this little... Like preamble, yeah. I think that also kind of like covers the fact yeah. that you you know there is a certain like, um, just inelegance in this conversation.
1: Yeah. Because scientists don't really focus a lot on like being trans inclusive in their speech, because that's not mm. you know I'm guessing that's not very high on the priority of, gen- of genetics labs. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, there is a certain inelegance here that we're talking mm. about like male and female genetics. Mm. Um, so we're going to use like a bit of a shorthand to talk about like cis cis women as xx mm-hmm. and cis men as xy yeah obviously, obviously trans people bit, have chromosomes it's... as well but we, we have to we have to do something otherwise it's going to be super clunky the entire episode
0: yeah so hemophilia b is actually the subtype of hemophilia which affected the royal families of europe it is an x-linked recessive disorder so as we all know Uh, People who are assigned female at birth carry two X chromosomes, and those assigned male at birth carry one X and one Y chromosome. So usually the cis women who are carriers of hemophilia are not affected by the disease because they have a second X chromosome, which carries a functional gene. Mm -hmm. Um, However, cis men, since they only carry one X chromosome, they cannot inherit a second one. Which will give them the gene necessary for the production of the clotting factor. So while women can be carriers but not express the disease, if a cis man is a carrier, um, they have it. They he will express mm. the disease.
1: And it is a recessive gene, right? Because if mm-hmm. you do have two of them, the 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 dominant one will like
0: exactly crush and that's, that's the recessive ha- hemophilia thing, right? So that's what happens mm. with uh, cis women who mm. carry it. Obviously, it can happen. That a woman has both recessive genes. If she has like a carrier mother and an affected father, mm. it is possible for her to inherit both copies of the recessive gene, but that doesn't happen really it's often very because rare. I mean people are just a bit more aware of genetic conditions these days. Mm. So I think that if uh, you know if it were to happen that a, a cis man with the condition were to marry like a woman who knows that the illness runs in the family, they would probably
1: It'd probably be like not, be aware. Yeah, be
0: aware, maybe not take the chance, or probably just conduct like genetic testing ahead yeah. of the birth. Anyway, so this is what happened with the Romanov family, this condition of hemophilia which in the end contributed to the fall of a dynasty. And it all started with Queen Victoria, who it is thought that she probably developed the condition as a result of a spontaneous mutation. So um, it's, this condition is most likely inherited. Like Usually it is inherited, but it has to start somewhere, right? And usually mm-hmm. it starts with the mutation. So it was due to inbreeding that this recessive condition was preserved in the royal family throughout generations. Because, you know, if you, if you have kids with outsiders because this is a recessive condition, it's likely that it will get bred out almost but if you keep marrying your cousins you're really allowing this condition to persist it all started with queen victoria and it was actually i mean she had, I don't remember exactly how many kids she had but she had a bunch of kids oh, and a they ton. all and they all spread hemophilia throughout the royal families <laughs> of europe <laughs> yeah it was like a plague that just spread
1: and also just like dashing good looks if you look at <laughs> if you like in world war 1 for example the, the 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 tsar of russia the emperor of like, the, the, the King of England mm-hmm. and, the, I think, mm-hmm. Emperor of Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all cousins, first mm-hmm. of all. And they all look identical. If you oh, look yeah? at a photo, they look identical. It's really hard to, I to haven't see not seen
0: the I haven't seen pics, but I but I have seen pics of the Romanov family, and they are handsome. Some good, Handsome? Handsome. Good looking. Uh, Is that weird to say about the Romanovs? I
1: mean, we'll... Oh, the Romanovs. The Romanovs. Oh, I thought you said Habsburgs. No! Oh, they're not handsome. We'll get to them later. They're very... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're
0: pretty. So, Victoria's granddaughter, Princess Alex, she became the Empress of Russia. So, she married Nicholas II, and she produced five children, four girls, and eventually a boy. Uh, The boy was named Alexei, and he was the one who actually inherited the condition. So, his condition was actually kept a state secret. And he, he, unfortunately, he had a really severe case. It was so severe that any fall, bruise, or nosebleed could become fatal. He was actually assigned two Navy sailors who were supposed to monitor and prevent him from becoming injured and like i said because the condition was so painful sometimes he could not walk mm. and so that meant that the two sailors had to carry him around which is really unfortunate but also kind of kind of cool
1: can you imagine though the pressure on being one of those sailors because you're <laughs> yeah. carrying around that like the, the soul air the the of the Romanov dynasty, like, dynasty yeah. that has ruled russia for 300 years yeah. like if you if you drop that kid, you're you're off to Siberia for life. If 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 you're lucky. I
0: don't yeah, I think you just, just get re- you just get shot in the head like on the spot.
1: What a what a life. Good pay though, I guess. You gotta get good paid if you're if you're taking care of the kid. I don't know. they pay yeah, You're yeah.
0: the historian. I don't know. I'm guessing. I don't think well. so.
1: <laughs> I think they pay them well. They pet him poorly. That's But yeah, there
0: there was a lot of pressure also because he was the only male heir Mm. and he was the only one able to inherit the throne. So he was the only male heir and he had hemophilia. And I know that it was really hard for them to actually get a boy. I think princess, princess Alex was, had trouble getting pregnant. And then it was just girl after girl, after girl, after girl, Mm -hmm. like they were desperate. And then the only boy gets hemophilia. Like it's, Mm. it's a bit of a doozy.
1: Romano family generally, a lot of girls.
0: Yeah. But so, he so Alexei had a number of accidents, um, small, tiny accidents. But when you're a hemophiliac, those easily develop into life-threatening events, mm. and this is where Rasputin enters the scene. Ra ra
1: Rasputin. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, so he was this peasant healer from Siberia. Who actually, he, he was actually introduced to court earlier, but as you may or may not know, he led a very hedonistic lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. I, uh, are you going to mention his, uh, no. his view on sinning?
0: Oh, um, as, I wasn't thinking to to do that, but you're welcome to.
1: I was thinking, so we really impress on on our listeners to so just how hedonistic he was, because mm-hmm. he 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 had an opinion that the more you sin, mm-hmm. the more holy you are. Yeah, like you because Jesus died for your sins, right? Mm-hmm. So you used to sin, sin as much You have as to, as make, it to make it worth his <laughs> worth
0: Yeah, that was basically if his... you don't live a
1: sinful life, Jesus died for nothing.
0: Yeah, that was basically his uh the, the way he was thinking mm-hmm. about it. Like that, you have to sin in order to be forgiven. Yeah.
1: so he had so... drug fueled orgies. Not a joke. Not yeah. an exaggeration. Yeah,
0: He, um, he also had a lot of affairs with pretty much the whole court. Allegedly,
1: um, a lot of the time also confirmed, but like some of them are also alleged. Okay. Who am I protecting by saying? Who this? are
0: you? Pro- are you protecting Rasputin?
1: I'm on. Un- I'm under. Uh, <laughs> Whose side are you on? Listen, I'm. I'm. I've signed an NDA with half of the Russian court. <laughs> I can't say. I'm under lawsuit currently by the by the family of Rasputin.
0: I wonder if he's he, being sued. I wonder if any. Of his descendants. or I mean, he probably had a lot of descendants. That's like half right?
1: of Russia at it's this true. point, of But like I mean,
0: them. he also had a wife that he had, like, legitimate kids with. That probably, that, like, knew that he was their dad. So I just wonder if they're still around.
1: Can we call them? Have a guest on the podcast.
0: But so, so he was this peasant healer from Siberia. And he had been introduced to the court a few times already. But he made a pretty bad impression. So... And he got um, politely asked to leave. He had to go back to Siberia. However,
1: <laughs> he turned up to court just like, Could, "You're you're dirty, you're nasty, you're smelly. Can you leave, please? You're like, you but you're you're buzzkill."
0: But so he he was the only one who actually seemed to be able to stabilize Alexei's condition, and so the empress, despite being being highly religious regarding him, very. Um, very highly, and then you know it's it's really interesting to think about what actually what what was the, he actually did to stabilize Alexei's condition. Mm. Um, Do we know at all? Well, there's theories. Um, one theory is that he he uh, used hypnotism on him. As another one is that he actually which is which is one that I think is actually very reasonable mm-hmm. um a theory says that he timed his interventions when the boy was already on the mend mm. um, because he he was he was a very charismatic man he had a lot of friends he had a lot of connections mm-hmm. at court um and he was actually very good friends with the empress's lady in waiting um so he he was always in the know about mm. the things going on in the church at the at the um, at court I'm sorry. Um, and then there's another theory that claimed that his power laid in his cal- calm and gentle strength and shining warmth of conviction.
1: Or we're saying that he had himbo vibes.
0: No, he definitely did not have... By
1: his large, kind, himbo vibes, he <laughs> soothed Alexei.
0: So what I want to say is that I think he actually soothed the Empress more. Because there was so much pressure on her to keep this heir alive that I think that this Empress was like... Because it was also her responsibility to deliver yeah. an heir. That's so her if, job. That's her, her job. That's job. her one job, <laughs> job that she has. So if the kid dies... Yeah, she messed up. She messed up. Um, so I think that this theory actually makes a lot of sense, that he was just very calming on the empress, and mm-hmm. then the empress not being anxious anymore would help like the kid feel yeah. better.
1: Yeah, because if your mom is having a panic attack, then you're not, then you're going to be a bit stressed. You're gonna probably not going to help you exactly. be on the man, So he was just a bit like a little bit of a scam artist, maybe. Because in that case, he didn't actually do anything. He just, like, said that he was doing something that calmed it down. And that actually did something. Like, a bit of placebo effect.
0: A bit of... Sure, yeah. So another theory that actually makes a lot of sense to me is that he he actually hated the doctors. He hated the doctors at the court. Because I, I guess he, he really wanted to have, like, a monopoly mm-hmm. on the treatment of the boy. Yeah. So he he halted the administration of aspirin. Aspirin was very new. And it was very exciting. And it was prescribed very liberally at the court. However, aspirin has blood-thinning properties
1: Mm, and
0: prevents clotting. So maybe by not allowing the empress to let the doctors around the boy, he actually made him feel better just because he wasn't getting any more aspirin.
1: Yeah. So he, um, by being the scam artist, he accidentally gives them yeah. a placebo that works and yeah. prevents them from giving him, like, harming yeah, so, medication. So he accidentally, like, works. Yeah. He probably... Because I'm guessing, like, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't actually, like, know what he was doing. Probably not. But that's so interesting. I, I know, no it's, idea. it's kind
0: of like a mix of things, right? Yeah. Um, very, very like, a bunch of, like, lucky accidents for him.
1: That's ex- That ex- explains a lot, because I've always wondered, like, how... Like, how how did he get away with this? Because obviously, I always thought that, like, obviously he's scamming. But this actually makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm. So, as we know, the royal family was arrested following the February Revolution in 1917. Mm-hmm. Uh, which resulted in Na- Nicholas's abdication. Um, they were imprisoned by the Bolsheviks and murdered in July 1918. Well, there's, so, there's a
1: whole, there's another revolution in there. The February Revolution happens, they're imprisoned. Yeah, half, half, there's half a there's a bit goes, of back and forth. The, the Bolsheviks yeah. take power, yeah. and suddenly the the royal family's like, oh, we maybe should have tried to leave earlier before the communists got in power. Well,
0: this episode is about genetic diseases, not well, the it just revolution. Want, I just don't
1: want to give the impression to our true. listeners that there was one revolution. It's there were true. two revolutions: the November revolution in, no, no the October revolution in November, or yeah. the other way around. I don't remember.
0: No, it's it's good you're here um, to correct me because I'm 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 not a historian. So I was actually hoping to have this a bit as a like a discussion since you're the in house historian. Uh, what's your What's your opinion on like the the contribution of hemophilia?
1: Well, I mean it's a bit hard to judge. On one hand, on one hand, the February Revolution was like it was coming one way or another. Yeah. The, the social unrest in Russia is 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 very hard to imagine today. It was very intense, um, and even even though like, the Tsar's secret police had, like, arrested basically any, like, revolutionary leader. The revolutions came anyway, just because so many people were fed up with how things were. Because of the war, and because of lack of food, because of, like, terroristic repression. So the revolution was coming anyway. But on the other hand, because of the, the secrecy at court, because of Rasputin's influence, because of the tensions between various noble members you know it it leads it leads people to make bad decisions up top and leads people to dismiss like governors and politicians that may be more competent yeah than than their replacements yeah that's and, something uh, that's something
0: that i didn't really mention is that um it's like hemophilia is part of it but it also had like the indirect um Effect on the court. Because, mm. like, Rasputin got so much power in yeah. the court. And he, he and they had a say lot of...
1: And they couldn't tell anyone that he had... No, Why because... he was there, either. Like, mm. everyone everyone at court was basically seeing like, why is Rasputin here? Because mm. they didn't know that Alexia had hemophilia.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the Empress wouldn't have heard any of it, anyway. Because he... Rasputin was the only person that could actually help with the son. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no matter what controversy... And she was... I mean, and she was desperate... Uh, like I said, if the if the kid died, that was That's that it. was it. I also I keep referring to, to it. <laughs> no, no, no. I keep re- referring to Alexei as the kid, like some the kid, <laughs> just some kid, just the the sole heir of yeah. the Romanov d- dynasty. But then again, you
1: know, we can't really say that hemophilia contributed to the end of the dynasty because in mm. the end he he didn't die of hemophilia. Mm. He he died because one of the various Soviets in in the Union of Soviets uh, decided to. Yeah. To kill it. Maybe on Lana's orders, maybe not. We don't know.
0: No. But let's let's put it this way. It definitely contributed to instability at court. Oh yeah. And it made a precarious situation worse. It didn't help. No. Absolutely not.
1: So we talked about the Romanov family, we talked about how um, par- partial inbreeding a few generations back ha- has led to potentially the rise of communism in Eastern Europe. Snowball effect, b- big domino effect of Queen Victoria marries one specific person and now the Soviet Union exists. <laughs> so we can blame Queen Victoria for for the Cold War. But I want to talk about another royal family. Mm-hmm. Because when we're talking about genetic diseases, and when we're talking about inbreeding as the cause of those genetic diseases, there's no family you... that's better at this than the Habsburg family. I've
0: never seen you gri- gr- grin so so wide. I wanted to talk
1: about them for so long. <laughs> like, people know they were inbred, but I want to dig into that it's... inbreeding.
0: Or is, uh, is is it? Char- it's Charles, right? They were going to talk about. I'm
1: going to talk about the family, the family, and I'm going to get to Charles. But, but
0: the Jaw guy is Charles. Is he your favorite? We'll talk. Family? We'll
1: talk about the Jaw. Okay. We'll talk about the Jaws. We'll get there. So the Habsburg family, maybe the most infamous family in the history of nobility, generally. I mean, they controlled many parts of Europe. They were um, maybe they were infamous because of their ancestral relations, but also because of their power. The Habsburgs were very strategic in their marriages, often securing a lot of wealth, status, and titles for themselves by marrying very well. And also, it's a very big family, so they did a lot of marrying. The Habsburgs managed, over the course of their history, to to secure the thrones over Spain, Portugal, Austria, the Holy Roman Empire, and even, for a very short amount of time, the throne of Mexico. Well, for the very short amount of time that Mexico was an empire. And they were a very influential family. They're still around, by the way. Did you know, the current heir to the Habsburgs are is a Formula One race driver. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, exactly. And I think does he cur- have the job? No. And I'll get to why. I'll get to why actually <laughs> That's why they a shame. don't. I'll get to why though. It's a good question. Uh, they're also very rich as heck because it turns out that being ousted as monarchs for, from half of Europe doesn't actually take your money away. Uh, they're so rich. However, cousin marriages weren't super uncommon among noble families, as we talked about. Queen Victoria got in on it. The Romanovs got in on it. Like, a lot of families got in on it. That's not actually that uncommon. And if you're not doing it too much, it's not actually that bad genetically. Like it's not great, but you're not going to produce what the what the Habsburgs produce. <laughs> I'm mean, being so mean. Um, basically, every single ro- ro- royal family did it because you want to consolidate power, and there aren't infinite amounts of royal families in Europe. So, there's not a lot of options to go on. So, you're going to marry, like, your third cousin, your second cousin on occasion. But the Habsburg did it more than any other family. But it wasn't... But,
0: hold on. One thing that I wanted to say is that, obviously, it had a practical um, reason behind Mm -hmm. it. But they also just generally believed that their blood was better. Oh, yeah. They they, generally believed believed that, that, you know, as a royal, you are just better than commoners. And so, you have to keep it in the family so that your blood doesn't get soiled.
1: Yeah. There's um, also an idea uh, that because they have better blood, they are more immune to these genetic mm, like diseases. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, peasants, if if they stay in the village for generations and generations, they're going to produce bad blood. Mm-hmm. But we, we're nobles, we're going to be...
0: We're going to be we're, just we're, fine. We're fine. Genetics don't apply to We us. have
1: strong blood. <laughs> strong jaws.
0: <laughs> strong jaws.
1: We'll get to it. Um, in the 15th century, the House of Habsburg... This is before they really got into the incest. It's split between the dominant Spanish line, because they've already secured the throne of Spain, and the junior Austrian line of the house. And I'm going to talk about the Spanish branch, because it was the main branch, the biggest branch of the, of the house, and it's the one that got nose deep into the old incest train. In fact, nine out of the 11 total marriages that occurred among them during the 184 years that they ruled Spain, uh, from 1516 to 1700 were incestuous of some nature so 9 out of 11
0: yeah like, Keeping like it I mean, in the like, family. like we said you know european nobles were were the best of the best <laughs> at incest they
1: were doing it super well and this is the family that's the champions in europe mm. too
0: oh yeah the olympics of incest
1: the the spanish line ends in 1700 uh, with Char- which with uh, charles II. Which is the lad. And mm-hmm. I'll get into oh him in God. a bit later.
0: I wonder why he was the worst.
1: Oh, well, I'll talk about oh, that. Yeah, Don't okay. worry about that. Um, but first, I want to talk about his family tree. We're talking about incest here. I need you to get the scale. I want to impress you, the viewer. And you, Aluka, on the scale of incest here. And I've, I've tried. I'm thinking maybe I should post like a picture of this on the Patreon page, on Twitter. So you can see that his um, that his family tree is basically a circle. <laughs> While there was no brother and sister incest, that doesn't actually matter over a long period of time. What matters, right, is shared is shared genetic material. Um I guess the instinct here is that cousin marriages are more diverse mm-hmm. but over several generations doesn't work out.
0: Yeah, it kinda adds up. Like if, if there's only one um couple that consists of cousins, it's fine, but if you just keep doing it over and mm-hmm. over again, that um, you know, creates like a cumulative uh, effect.
1: Yeah. So the family tree of Charles mm-hmm. begins in the fifteenth century between Philip I and Joanna of Castile.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have we start with two people. They had three children, and they all married other nobles of other noble families. Good so far, no incest. The next generation, there's a one cousin marriage between the kids, between the the kids of of of, of that new generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, one cousin <laughs> marriage. We're we're doing great. The next the generation after that. We have a mar- two marriages between an uncle and a niece. So some of the kids of, of of the first generation married the kids of their siblings in the second generation. Another marriage um, and one marriage in the same generation is between cousins but twice removed. So not that bad. but we are getting some incest here. We're mm-hmm. getting we're getting uh, uncles and nieces mm. getting getting involved. Next generation. Cousin marriages between all three branches of the family. Remember how he they had three kids. Mm-hmm. In the first one, mm-hmm. they're all all of them now. Cousin cousin marriages between all of them. Next generation, another cousin marriage. Another generation, we have another uncle niece marriage. So these generations aren't like perfectly split, and this goes from from two people to like. To like six, Mm -hmm. and then it starts going like down to four, down to two again, and now back to to Charles. Ah. So they got in some new genetic material from those first three kids who married like different people, and then it became more cousins and cousins. That's a little horrifying. Which means that Charles here has basically the same amount of genetic material as if he um, his parents were brother and sister. Yeah. Or like um, and and those also had genetic shared genetic material from from their parents. So this um, yeah this child it, that doesn't sound good. You it doesn't know, sound I good at all.
0: I haven't run the numbers, but just by listening to you describe mm-hmm. it, it does not sound good.
1: The child of this whole circle, <laughs> and it really does look like a circle, uh, is Charles II, Emperor of of Spain and of Spanish Empire, parts of Italy and the Spanish Netherlands. God, this is know, all of the land that he managed to inherit from all of, from the new families that they kind of plucked in. He didn't. In.
0: He didn't ask for this. I don't know. There's there's a part oh, of me. You're gonna a, feel
1: so bad for him in a second. I haven't even started. Yeah, like
0: there's a part. I know. Like I can see where this is going, and you know, it's it's kind of funny, but there's a part of me it's that dark. just feels so bad for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't ask to be born. You'll feel this worse is, soon. This is like.
1: So, uh, this is a great way to consolidate power, mm. right? Because Charles II has a bunch of titles. Yeah. Like, like, again, he controls... Technically, he controls the Kingdom of Castile, the Kingdom of Aragon, the Kingdom of Naples, the Kingdom of Milan, and the Spanish Netherlands. And also, like, all of the colonial empires of Spain. Yeah. So, that's quite a lot of land. But it's not that great, because when you end up marrying kids with each other, and, um, and, and the kids of their kids with each other, uh, you end up with not a lot of genetic diversity. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to some complications, and most known, most famous of them all, the famous Habsburg jaw. If you don't know, if you look at old paintings of the Habsburg family, you can see that they have a protruding jaw.
0: And do you know what? I'm guessing that in most of those paintings, they probably they probably tried to improve his appearance as much as they could. So what we see in paintings is probably like a a much, like a very generous representation Mm -hmm. of what he looked like.
1: If you don't know, dear dear listener, the Habsburg family became known for a few unique facial features that existed among basically the entire family, the Spanish line specifically. This includes uh, sharply jutting jaws, bulbous lower lips, and long noses. Most famous of which is the jaw. And if you look at an approach, you can see the, the jaw, like I mentioned. And there have been a few theories as to why the Habsburgs got this impressive jaw.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This uh, this horn, basically.
0: Don't call it that. Being, that's so mean.
1: I'm being so mean. Yeah. They conquered all of Europe, basically. I'm allowed to be mean towards them.
0: I know, but there... One theory.
1: One it thi- feels it
0: feels wrong to be mean, because we're making fun of his appearance. That's
1: it's true. It's not cool. That's true. That's true. We, we shouldn't do that. But he also had a myriad of health problems yeah. that, that came along with this. But one theory was that the jaw came from a dominant gene mm-hmm. uh, that was simply reinforced over the cousin marriages. Like, if, if the dominant gene is just never replaced by anything or doesn't go away, then it's just going to keep being there. This was one theory. Another theory was that it was a random collection of mutations that happened. But because they kept it in the family, it, that, those mutations also didn't, like, go away. But that's, they're, they're still talking about, like, the, the fault here being incest, sort of. Like, incest is involved here. But a recent study, actually, from 2019, has concluded that the, that the jaw was almost definitely the cause of incest. Mm-hmm. The jaw was maybe, probably, we don't have genetic material, so we don't know, but it was probably caused by a recessive gene that just kept developing. Remember how we talked about recessive genes earlier? This is one example where they, you know, they just didn't get in the material. So he had big jaw gene,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I guess is a recessive gene. And with each generation, the jaw just kept growing because both side of the, sides of the merits would, would carry the recessive gene for huge jaws and it would go after generations of a generation. But of course, it's not just aesthetic changes that happen here, which leads me to... Uh, the extinction of the of the Spanish family line mm. as I mentioned the family line died out in 1700 the entire Spanish branch of the Habsburgs died out they had no more heirs uh, and the Habsburg main title went to the Austrian branch which most people remember now uh, they were slightly less inbred but nonetheless they also died out in 1740 due to a lack of male heirs
0: Wait so did did uh, Charles? Because he married, right? He married, but he did not produce any heirs. He was was infertile, probably. Which
1: which brings me to the the issue, like, why did they have issues making heirs? Another study has found that inbreeding might be the cause of this as well. Inbreeding may have caused fertility to to drop as much as 18%. 18? 18%. Um, That's not much. As the gene pool does, so so does fertility, perhaps. It's a bit controversial, because we're not really sure that inbreeding causes lack in fertility.
0: No, we do know that.
1: Well, we don't know that 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 was the case here. Mm. Um, But they're guessing that that was probably the case, up to 18%. But 18% is quite a lot. Like, it's almost one-fifth. And also, fertility is, like, hard to do anyway. Like, people who are perfectly healthy, no inbreeding at all, they can also sometimes have issues with fertility. Uh, So it may have contributed to the extinction of the Habsburg line, but it probably didn't cause it. However... We do know a lot about the science of incest thanks to this family. Mm-hmm. Because we have paintings and we have diary entries and we have doctor's notes from every single birth in the Habsburg family because they were so rich and so wealthy. So from the 1500s up until the 18, uh, up to, to the 1700s, every single birth, every birth defect has been documented. So we know a lot about the effects of cousin marriages long, and the long-term effects of like repeated cousin marriages thanks to the Habsburgs. But I want to talk about Charles, mm, the course. ultimate product of this. I want to talk about what happens when you do all of this. I hyped him. I've hyped them up significantly. I want to talk about. It. I want to talk about the most inbred Habsburg of them all. And you may think, you may think, the viewer, the listener, that you know what I'm going to say, but you would be. Um, you're probably going to know a little bit, but I have so much more. I've. I found so much.
0: The joy that you derive from this is. Oh. Is incredible. This is
1: the this is a specimen of a man to behold. This man again was the most powerful man on earth when he lived. By the way, this is like Donald Trump or Barack Obama. Like this is someone that basically the whole Western world knew of. They mm. knew who this person was. Mm-hmm. He is the leader of the free of the well not, like, not the free world. This was the seventeen hundreds, but like he was the leader of the most powerful empire on earth at the time, and he had a very huge reputation. Because he was so powerful, and also because they had they had a reputation of being inbred at this point, people knew this. They made they, this was part of the rumor mill, and it sh- so it should be said here that what I say here may or may not be true. We know that a lot of it is true, but some of it might be a bit of rumors from from gossip in the royal families mm-hmm. of, of Europe. Because people, you know, people make fun of Donald Trump, people make fun of uh, Joe Biden, uh, based on conspiracy theories today people like uh, making stuff up about rich uh, powerful people uh, one cited one often cited example to show how his mental problems is the allegation that he slept with his father's body oh, and no. I, and i want to not sexually uh, and i want to and i want to mention this because it is true he did do this but it, but it's okay because it was under the direction of his mother <laughs> because the doctor the doctors was... the doctors had said that it would help him produce a male heir the corpse of his father, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's what I was... Okay, so for how... How how did that work? For how long after? I, I'm
1: guessing like his mummified corpse. Like his dried out husk. My God. Mm. The idea was that this would help him produce an air. How? I do not know. I don't know the logic of these doctors.
0: Well, there are a lot of superstitions, but... that I You're right, I did not expect that at you all. You did not expect <laughs> that, did you?
1: Uh, beyond this... He had frequent health problems. Mm. He often had trouble breathing, doing yeah. any sort of physical exercise. He couldn't eat many things. And yeah, he's... he
0: was he was unable to chew, right? Like because I also looked into probably, it. Yeah. I know I know that like I was just too impatient. I had to look <laughs> into this my, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I mean his jaw was so big mm-hmm. that his upper and lower lower jaw did not meet. Yeah. The, he so he, he could couldn't close chew. his mouth. Yeah. He couldn't
1: close his mouth properly. Yeah. Even. Uh, he couldn't close it entirely. So we're, we're talking about he like eat? he had a protruding jaw. We're talking like, like to the point of like, health problems. He could not take care of himself because of this jaw.
0: So I wonder how, what did he eat?
1: I'm guessing soft foods. I mean, he's, he's emperor of, of much of the world. I guess he, he could probably have people like chew food for him.
0: Do you think, do you think they did that? Probably. I mean, they didn't weird things.
1: It's probably, it's entirely possible. Wow. Um, he also had trouble drinking, and he didn't learn to speak until the age of four yeah. because of the jaw, because he had to learn to speak with the jaw. Yeah,
0: and his tongue was really big, too, right? His tongue
1: was huge, and yeah. his his lower lip was, like, also bulbous, is how it was described. I, it doesn't again, help with like, speaking.
0: I know you think it's... We're not you, making fun inter- of his
1: appearance here. This is health problems. I this know, is like, but
0: I just... I mean, this, this is a painful existence. Like, this is the kind of person We that...
1: haven't... We're gonna go into even more... I know. This um, poor man, though, like he I really, didn't ask I, for any of this. Exactly,
0: like I, I really, I, I see the comedic, comedic factor, mm-hmm. but this is the kind of this is a definition of like existence of, is pain. Oh yeah,
1: oh like he would, like this is not an existence we would wish on anyone because no. he was in constant pain yep. and suffering. Like this is, I feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, sorry, f- sorry for being a bummer.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it's good, but um, unfortunately, I'm going to keep going. Historians Will and Ariel Durant famously described him as short, lame, epileptic, senile, and completely bald before age 35. Uh, always, on the com- always on the verge of death, but repeatedly baffling Christendom by continuing to live. By the age of six, he had survived attacks of measles, chickenpox, rubella, and smallpox. Um only one of which, uh, and any one of which was a potentially fatal disease at the time. His Habsburg jaw was so uh, pronounced that he spoke poorly, and uh, it was Mariana, his mother, who insisted he be carried everywhere until he was eight and left uneducated, allegedly to reduce the strain on his body and mind. So you mm. didn't receive an education he, yeah that's he, he, that's what should...
0: I that's what I saw as well that mm. his family really they only wanted to keep him alive so for titles for titles for so like his education his like emotional mm. well-being it didn't no. matter that much like he just needed to be alive
1: he needed to be alive and produce an heir yeah basically like he the the only reason he existed was to consolidate so many noble titles yeah that is the only reason why why he, why why he was born the way he was he was born as a, as a by design by the way like people planned this out like these marriages in order to consolidate titles like he they planned for this and when he was born he, like his like all, uh, people in his family and like people throughout the world they were like oh i mean he he gets the titles but like he's not going to last very long yeah like this is they didn't really see him as, like, the emperor that we should worship. He was like a puppet, almost. People around him would, like, run the country for him, and he would just exist, basically.
0: I guess a lot of, uh like, in a lot of royal families, people were kind of just breeding stock.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah, to consolidate titles, to...
0: What a sad existence.
1: Yeah. H- however, even though he was prone to illness, he did spend a lot of time hunting, so... He did spend time having fun
0: I wonder if he was good at it I mean he probably wasn't the most athletic I don't know
1: He was in frequent pain and he was often pale And since he became king it was basically expected That he would would die almost instantly It was the talk of Europe when he was born That like oh we need to start thinking about The inheritance of Spain immediately Like this is not something we have to think about in 80 years This is something that's like oh now Almost uh, immediately
0: uh, one, thing and you, of cor- one thing you actually forgot to mention is that he was fed by wet nurses until he was five or six years old. I'm not surprised. Yeah.
1: And of course, eventually he does die. Uh, and his autopsy is probably the most famous thing about him now, unfortunately. And uh, it is a thing to read and I will read it to you <laughs> because I've been waiting for this since, I start- since we started this podcast. The records sh- show that his body did not contain a single drop of blood. His heart was the size of a peppercorn. His lungs corroded, his intestines rotten and gangrenous. He had a single testicle, black as coal.
0: What happened to the second one?
1: <laughs> and his head was full of water. Which are indicative of hydrocephalus, a disease often associated with childhood measles, one of the many illnesses suffered by Charles. So one of the big problems of his life was just that he like exposed a lot of illnesses. So there's a theory that says a lot of his health problems had no has nothing to do with his incest. That if he hadn't been exposed to so many childhood illnesses and just been unlucky as a child, basically, he would have grown up to be a fully functioning, slightly inbred with a big jaw, like the jaw incest. <laughs> but uh,
0: everything else... I actually looked a bit into it um, because I was really curious of what made him <laughs> what he was. Mm-hmm. And there was at least two genetic conditions that it is believed (laughs) that he had one of them is pituitary hormone deficiency and the other one is distal renal tubular acidosis do you want to know a fun fact about about the Habsburgs
1: yes I love the Habsburgs and their um, messed up genetics.
0: So, I was reading an article about inbreeding in the Habsburg family mm-hmm. and I don't remember who, but there was there were some researchers who computed the inbreeding coefficient coefficient mm-hmm. in the in the family. Mm. I read um, this
1: I read about this too, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so they they calculated this coefficient by taking into account like more than 3,000 individuals. And so uh, starting with King Philip The first, Mm -hmm. uh, who had an inbreeding coefficient of 2.5, Charles the second had a 25 inbreeding coefficient, Mm -hmm. like a 25 percent. And I I mean, obviously these are just numbers; they don't say Mm -hmm. a lot. But we know that, like, what does that mean? Yeah. So an acceptable inbreeding coefficient is about five (laughs) percent. After five, you start having issues, and he had it like Like, 25 percent. Like
1: Like I said, like his his family line is a circle.
0: Yeah. Inte bra.
1: (laughs) Inte bra. We shouldn't speak Swedish, though. No. And that's my part of the housework. Uh,
0: very nice. We learned a lot.
1: Let's mm-hmm. talk like about famous people.
0: Yeah. So I I wanted to talk about Tuten. I practice it. common. I practice it so many mm-hmm. times and I still got it wrong. So I wanted to talk about common. Um, So he was a pharaoh that reigned during Egypt's New Kingdom era. That Mm -hmm. was around 3,000 years ago.
1: King Tut, by the way.
0: King Tut. Yeah, I'm going to say King Tut because it's a lot lot easier for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So he ascended to the throne at age nine, but only reigned for about 10 years before dying uh, from what is known, what is what is thought to have been an infection uh, caused by a broken leg or by a chariot accident. (laughs) And I don't know why, but that's real funny (laughs) to me.
1: Chariot accident. I feel like is it's the like leading a mo- cause of accident in those days.
0: It's 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 almost like the like a motorcycle accident at the time. Yeah. Like he was a nineteen year old king, you know. It's
1: yeah. he's running around in a chariot. He's like he was like the hanging, rich r- hanging around at the hay station and uh, yeah. hitting on all the girls.
0: He was like the rich kid at the time, you know, with his motorcycle, his like, <laughs> you know, his drugs his chariot. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he got in a chariot accident. And uh, broke his leg and um, got an affection and died. (laughs) Um, Like
1: a cuck. F.
0: (laughs) Yeah, big, uh, I mean, major F. Major F. Major
1: F. Big L Um, on on the part of the pharaoh. Oh
0: my god. But so, you know how usually he's depicted as this, like, golden sun god? Yeah. It's not really an accurate representation of what... King Tut actually looked like mm-hmm. he was very frail he was very short he was very weak his left foot was club-footed and his right was flat due to hypophalangism he needed a cane to walk um, short king yeah he was a short king and i mean his feet were so messed up like mm-hmm. he he could not walk in addition he had a partially cleft hard palace and a mild case of scoliosis his parents were brother and sister, <laughs> mm-hmm. full on. Like you oh, yeah. know, this isn't even a matter of like cousins or you know, like uncles and mm. nieces. No, they were like they were t- straight siblings.
1: Very common in uh, ancient uh, Egyptian history.
0: Yeah, in ancient um, Egypt and Greece. Mm-hmm. So King Tut himself eventually married his half sister um, named Ake- Ankhesenamun. Ankhesenamun.
1: You're doing great here with Ancient Egyptian. Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. I'm if just, anyone here speaks Ancient Egyptian...
0: You know, I I, I looked it up on, on YouTube. I tried to like see the, the proper pronunciation. I want to make an effort. Yeah.
1: Do we even know how they would pronounce it? Like an improper...
0: Um, I'm not I don't, sure. I
1: don't think so. Because we don't really know how hieroglyphs were, were pronounced, I think. No. Interesting.
0: But so his... So he... His parents were brother and sister. And then him himself... He himself... He married his half-sister. He had two stillborn daughters. Which I'm... You know, I'm thinking that maybe the reason why they were stillborn was because they were a product of inbreeding. Might be. Um, Might also
1: just be bad luck.
0: Maybe. So they were buried in in his tomb alongside him and his wife. Um, But their family, like you said, they were not the only ones to develop out of incestuous relationships um incest, incest was very common in um in many noble families in ancient egypt and ancient greece. Mm. I have a fun fact here. It's not directly related to inbreeding but it is it is a fa- it is a fact about his his dad. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you the mm-hmm. fact? So his dad uh king tut's father Akhenaten. I uh, Do you know do you know his name?
1: I think Akhenaten. I know his name. Isn't Akhenaten? It- is it Akhenaten?
0: Akhenaten. Yeah. Um So he he, I think that's it. he. was often depicted as having uh, breasts, wide hips, a pot belly. So it, it was commonly believed that he had gynecomastia, um, which is an axis of estrogen.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Femboy King.
0: Femboy King. <laughs> However, following a medical analysis of the body, it was concluded that he actually did not have the condition... Um, and actually the feminized features were done for religious purposes um yeah so, they had a lot of yeah an but, but listen camp. listen to this his appearance was meant to suggest an association between him and aten the original creator god in egyptian theology who is neither male nor female yeah i i mean i you probably know know about this mm-hmm. but i um i think it's really cool it's really it is really cool
1: yeah. a lot of um a lot of like religions around those days have a lot of like Gender fluidity in in terms of their like, god, godhood, which which, rejects modernity, (sighs) return to tradition. It did also lead sometimes. Like I, I know that some logic that people would use is is if you have brother and sister. Mm-hmm. and they marry, mm-hmm. because because they are of the same family, their child will be a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they will have elements of both the male and the feminine, mm-hmm. which is also seen as more divine, but is that's, also more that's incestuous. A we-
0: that's a weird theory. I haven't heard that one. But ha- that's interesting.
1: It's, it's not... It, it happens in some... In like It has happened occasionally in some religions. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that, like, if, 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 if they're from different families, then anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. mixing blood and everything. But if it's the same blood... And it's a male and a female, then they can combine if they're if they're pure enough of blood. And usually they're not. Usually they just become like
0: Do you know? Okay, so, so I want to say something genetically like deficient. Obviously I love science. But <laughs> Science what, is great. But science is great. I love it. But of what I also love is how in the absence of science, people were so creative. <laughs> well, it is a form of science.
1: Like they're 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 figuring stuff out. A large part of science is getting things wrong. You mm-hmm. gotta admit that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, to be fair, they got a lot of things wrong. Yeah, and, but they and, didn't and have... They fi- and they figured out they didn't... over time that, oh, we shouldn't do this anymore.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is they didn't really base that belief on anything. They just kind of thought it sounded nice. And they just sort of held that belief for a while without...
1: I, I honestly think this is way more scientific than what the Greeks did, like, a couple of thousand years after. Because the Greeks, they just thought about it. They never even did it. Okay. Well... At least they tried. At least they did did some breeding. And see what happened.
0: Okay, Mia, we have to talk about incest today. Let's move on.
1: (laughs) You're saying the ancient Greeks are cucks and they never did anything.
0: Okay, Mia. We have to talk about incest. We have to talk about modern incest.
1: Modern incest. Yeah. In the modern day. In
0: the modern day. Okay. So, do you do you know anything about the legality of incest today?
1: Well, it depends. Like we, as we mentioned earlier, first cousin marriages mm-hmm. are legal mm-hmm. in most of the world, um, and then it varies wildly from country to country mm-hmm. when it comes to like incestuous sexual acts between close, mem- close members of, of similar families
0: it really, I- it really does vary like there isn't th- like there is a few things that, this, that mo- most people agree on but it feels like we haven't really reached a consensus on what is okay mm. so there is a factor called the R factor which is what is often used when discussing legality on incest and it is the percentage of DNA uh, shared so usually the laws that prohibit incestuous relationships concern um relationships where ours 25 percent or higher mm-hmm. and that's usually in the case of like parent-child relationship or like full sibling relationships mm-hmm.
1: or like aunt to like, yeah uh, like uncle uncle
0: yeah exactly uh, yeah uh, first cousins and also free fourth cousins which i didn't mm-hmm. know there was a thing do you know what that is I it's like a cousin sibling. I um, know that you can
1: be double like I know that you can be like double first cousin mm. where due to some genetic weird makery you can you can be first cousin with someone despite them being like f- way further removed from the gene pool but because mm. you have like similar genetic makeups you can still like technically have 25% of the same thing.
0: Mm. And also modern incest laws sometimes prohibit unions between biologically unrelated uh, individuals if there is a close legal relationship, like in the case of adopted or step relations. Mm. Um, Stepbrother,
1: no. (laughs) I'm stuck in the laundry machine. Stepbrother, no.
0: I will not participate in this. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so there is countries where it's legal, but it only concerns consenting adults. So, for example, Belgium, Brazil, Japan—it's all legal. You can, you know,
1: if, if it's between consenting adults. If it's
0: between consenting adults, which makes sense. All,
1: like, yeah. Obviously, like parent-child thing, there's a whole like, power dynamic there, which is like, oof. But if everyone's over eighteen and if it's fully consensual, mm. but like between siblings, mm. who's to say?
0: Yeah. I just wondering, so so I'm just wondering about like the power dynamic. Like is it do you think it's like in your opinion, obviously this is a subjective opinion. Yeah. But like if if um what do you think about relationships between like a like an adult child and their parent?
1: Well, I mean cuz that- I feel like
0: that's where I would draw the line. But at the same time they're consenting adults.
1: If they're consenting adults, like I don't think I can object really. I think it's I wouldn't do it. Mm. Is what I'm saying. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't mm. recommend anyone mm-hmm. to do it. Mm. Uh, and I think that it would be, I think I think it's like dicey a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the law can like prevent. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's not the like, kind
0: of thing that you can like prohibit by law. Yeah, I it think feels... I think
1: the law prohibiting it would be a bad thing. Yeah, like I, like if, if you're over eighteen, yeah, you can you can boink whoever you want. Like yeah, I, I yeah. Don't it's, think the law it's the can kind of thing where either. it's like
0: it's kind of weird. But, like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I, I wouldn't do it, but I don't want the law to stop you. Although, yeah. like, in some countries, the law will try to stop you. Yeah. In some countries, it's even, like, life in prison. Oh, even, yeah. Even some states in America oh, have oh, life in prison. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which I think is weird. Because, like, if two, I also if think two siblings weird. who are just, like, if they're fully grown, if they're consenting, only God can judge them. Yeah. <gasps> Um, They're naked before God and everyone.
0: Can I tell you something fun? Fun? Fun about incest? Yeah. In, this is
1: gonna get us canceled on Twitter. You know that, right?
0: I hope not. So in Italy, incest is illegal only if it causes public scandal.
1: <laughs> How do you judge that? I feel like if any culture in the world, had, I don't know. Had I guess if people if for... people
0: complain, you know, if, if 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 people make enough noise about it, then whoever's in charge can be like, okay, enough. You've had your fun. People don't like it. Stop it.
1: I feel like if any country in the world has a scale for public outrage, it's probably Italy. I feel like they are the mm. ones who have had a large amount of legal precedent to judge what cause, what constitutes a scandal. Yeah. Like if someone, you, you drank too much coffee, drank too much spaghetti, <laughs> you make a that big a pizza.
0: Are you done with the Italian accent? <laughs> if
1: they if they didn't want to be made fun of, they shouldn't have invented fascism, <laughs> is what I'm saying.
0: Uh, something else interesting is that in Ireland, it is legal for same-sex couples to be incestuous, but illegal for opposite-sex couples.
1: Interesting. Yeah. It's I in... wonder why.
0: Because they can't produce children.
1: Is that the argument? That, like, uh, because of... Like I mean that's argument. that's my best yeah, I mean, guess.
0: That's my best guess. I mean, but at the same time, we have genetic testing now.
1: But I'm also thinking, just like you know, Ireland has a lot of like st- has a lot of like old, very Catholic, conservative re- remnants. They're getting better. You know, mm-hmm. they recently got adoption. Good for them and same-sex <laughs> marriage. Before another island, ha. Huh. And so you know, they're they're getting they're catching up like very quickly to progressive values, which I'm I'm all for. But I'm thinking like this is maybe some sort of like leftover from. From a very like conservative, traditional Catholic point of like incest is bad, but because because as you said they can't produce yeah. offspring, then they will be like oh well, that's fine then because they won't. That, yeah. that's bad for other reasons, but we can't outlaw homosexuality. So, but you know, the birth argument there is probably the one that goes.
0: Mm-hmm. How interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really cool.
1: It's probably going to change fairly soon. I feel like Ireland. I feel like I see news every week now that Ireland is like changing some law for one thing or another.
0: Interesting. We'll see what happens. But just to um, just to sort of finish off here, I, I think like the the closest the world has come to an agreement is that incest is legal as long as it doesn't involve lineal ancestors mm-hmm. and full siblings, mm-hmm. um, which is the case in like Canada, Denmark, Sweden you know they can they they accept it on on conditions mm. i'm um, also
1: thinking that it's hard to enforce anyway especially between consenting adults because i'm thinking like two sisters or like two siblings in sweden for example where it's like it's not that great who's gonna who, who's gonna
0: i mean i guess somebody has to tell on you
1: yeah and that, and that's where i think it's like because you, dear listener, but listening to this and thinking, like, how can we say that it's, like, between two consenting adults, is it okay? Because it's like, oh, it's it's gross. But, like, who should you arrest <laughs> if two consenting adults have sex? Who, I mean, they go. Who, who, go, who they goes go, to prison? No, they,
0: go, they, they both go to prison. I know.
1: but And isn't that messed up?
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's
1: messed up. It's messed up.
0: Yeah, so this will be our last episode as we are promptly becoming... We, We're, we are cancelled. We We're cancelled. We that's it. We mm-hmm. releasing this episode. RSS is
1: not gonna accept this. No, it's been it's committed been committed nice. crimes against God.
0: It's been good making this podcast with Yumi. Really, yeah, I really enjoyed our quite, free episodes. This is
1: gonna be one of those episodes that you can't listen to in many other countries. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be our first one that's like banned in many countries. Yeah. So...
0: But I got to talk about Romanovs. I, um, I got
1: to talk about... Uh, our wonderful it's lad, good- Charles II, yeah. Emperor of Spain.
0: It's a good good note to end on, huh?
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> horrifying birth defects. Yeah. Various kinds.
0: Yeah, but so that was the episode. Uh, we hope you liked it. Uh, once again, my name is Raluca, and with me is... Mia Mulder. Mia Mulder. Follow us on Twitter at Leechfest Podcast Pod pod
1: it's Leechfest Pod,
0: Leechfest Pod. you know and...
1: our twitter account you manage the twitter account I have my own twitter account where I post memes
0: um should I post memes on the twitter I don't know <laughs> incest I... memes my... coming to
1: your twitter very soon My,
0: it doesn't have to be about
1: <laughs> the memes have to be about incest so uh you can follow us there for incest posting May if I... you like our content you can also go to our patreon <laughs> to support us for more incest posting where we will this
0: is n this is not an incest podcast now,
1: uh our next Simmer e- down. our next incest episode is gonna Stop. come out in three weeks, roughly <laughs> we try to have an upload schedule of once every no, weeks. we
0: should how about um instead of incest, what's the next like sketchy topic we can do an episode oh, oh my God,
1: <laughs> I have that like why m- was that? lined up,
0: yeah, why was that like you didn't need you didn't hesitate for a second. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because I know that I have a lot of hot takes about it. That's going to get me cancelled on Twitter.
0: Follow us on Twitter at LeechFestPod.
1: Mm-hmm. Or on Patreon if you want to support the podcast financially. And you get access to e- episodes ex- uh, early.
0: Yes, you do. And there's lots of other perks um, that await you. Mm-hmm.
1: You can get a shout out in the beginning take, of the episode.
0: Take a look. Just go and take, take, a, a, g- take a ganda. See what, see what sounds good to you.
1: And we'll see you in the next episode only trust